Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I want to talk today about vows, promises, resolutions. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many people have broken a resolution. Because all of us would put up both hands. In fact, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but it seems to me that when I make a resolution, it's almost like all the energy against that resolution gets focused on me and it becomes harder to make the resolution. If I say, I will do this, or I will not do that, I find it harder to do that thing. Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 7 describes this. He says, I didn't even know what coveting or lusting was. And then I read a command that said, do not covet. And he says it's almost like it focused all the power of sin. And he just found sin and the desire to sin getting greater and greater within him. And he was trying to do the right thing, but he was failing and failing and failing and failing. And at the end of Romans 7, he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? But then his very next words are, but thanks be to God. And there is a solution. The very next chapter, Romans 8, he talks about the solution. That we can reign in righteousness. That we can overcome. But it's, it's an unusual solution. It's a counterintuitive solution. Human nature and religiousness says, just be stronger. Just control those urges. Just be better. Come on. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Buck up and get better. But the Bible says there is another way. And when we make a vow or a promise or a resolution, it actually reveals whether we're relying on our self-effort or another power or on God. And that's why it's so hard to make and keep resolutions. Because as soon as I step into this realm of promising to do something, even if it's just to myself, I am putting myself under a microscope and I'm saying, God, show me my true motives. Is this for me? Is this for you? Is this out of bitterness? Is this out of faith? As soon as I promise something, God says, all right, I'll show you what's in your heart. And if it's not out of the right motives, we fail to keep our resolutions. So you might say to me, Greg, does that mean we mustn't make resolutions? The answer is we make them, but we make them for the right reasons and in the right way. And I'm gonna show you this today and I believe it will help you. So, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. This is Matthew 5, 33. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no. In other words, we do swear, but we don't do it calling on other powers and forces and by other things or for other reasons. He says, if you say yes, that is an oath. That is a commitment. That is a resolution. Just to say, yes, I will come to your house for dinner tomorrow is an oath. He says, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. 
whatever is more than this is from the evil one. You see, people were swearing by the temple or by heaven or by this or by that, and it was almost superstitious. They were saying, let me get this power from this other thing to help me keep my oath. And he said, it's actually, you think you're doing a godly thing, but it's an evil thing. Wow! Can resolutions be evil? Wow, we're going to see this. Another verse which is very similar is James chapter 5, verse 12. He says, above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Why does he say judgment? And I'm going to show you why. Matthew 7, verse 1, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So this is the first error that we make when we make a vow. I don't know if you've ever done this. I definitely did this. When I was growing up, I was watching my parents with a critical eye. And I was saying in my heart, how weak they are, how useless they are, how pathetic they are. I will never be like them. And you know what happened? I became like them. Why? Because with the judgment you use, you will be judged. When I judge from a place of pride and arrogance, um, religious pride, kind of like I'm better. That is a judgment that is also based on unforgiveness and bitterness and it binds me to the person who I'm judging and I don't know exactly how but through some kind of spiritual demonic thing, Jesus said it's involving the evil one, somehow the devil gets a foothold on me because I haven't forgiven them, rather I've judged them, I am destined to repeat the same sins that they have done. And I'm sure, again, if I ask for a show of hands today, most of us would say, yes, I've judged someone and then I have found myself doing it. So the first error when we make vows is make sure we're not doing it out of a place of bitterness and pride and judgment. You see, the whole thing of grace in the Bible, there's these, two, there's these two worlds that are described in the Bible. There's this place of justice where I demand justice for everyone who's done anything wrong and I put myself under justice. I can live in this world called justice where I judge others, but then I must be perfect. Or I can live in this world called grace where I receive forgiveness and I pass forgiveness on. The problem with most of us is we want to live like this. We want to live with justice when it's about other people. I will judge you, but for me I want grace. And the Bible makes it clear. If I want to live in grace and receive forgiveness, I must pass it on. I can't then be a judge and be holding on to bitterness against others. Why? Because I put myself in this place where I'm now saying, judge me, and the devil says, okay, I heard you, I'm coming in, and I'll put that same sin on you. 
And so I know it sounds like a light-hearted thing, but I know this is extremely personal and painful to many of us in this room and listening on the internet and on TV. There are many of us who are living under a weight of something. We keep saying, I will not. I promise I won't do that again. And we keep doing it. And the reason is because we've made a bitter judgment. We've made a vow that comes out of a place of pride and unforgiveness. What's the answer? Humble myself. Say, Lord, I don't know all the circumstances. I don't know why my mom did that. I don't know why my dad did that. They probably had their own issues that I wasn't even aware of. I'm not going to judge God. You are the only one who has the right to judge, who can see everything and can judge correctly. I release them. I forgive them. I've received forgiveness. I pass on forgiveness. Then if I make a vow and say, I will not do that thing, it comes out of a place of a sweet spirit, out of a place of forgiveness, of rest, of grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. But that grace is not without effect. I work harder than everyone else, yet it's not I, it's the grace of God in me. This place of grace allows me to make vows that do not come out of bitterness and judgment. So my first challenge to you and to me is let's do a bit of an inventory in our hearts and say how many of my vows or how many of the bondages that I find myself under are based on a judgment, a pride, and unforgiveness and a bitterness that I've made of somebody else. And we simply say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm moving out of the place of justice. I'm moving into the place of grace. I pass on grace. God, let your power flood through me. And even now, as you release that thing, as you say, Lord, I'm sorry for judging that person, he releases you and he allows you to move on. The next problem we have is when we vow to do something out of our own self-effort or strength, or maybe we're calling on another power. So there are organizations, secret organizations, where you go and you put your hand on a Bible or on a something or else, and you make vows and promises, and you call on a power to help you to keep that promise. Sometimes it's a secrecy promise. I promise I will never tell anyone what's happening in this organization. Otherwise, let this and this and this and this happen to me and my family. Boy, we think our words are just little words that we say. But Jesus said, don't do it. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no, because if you're calling on heaven, earth, your head, or some other power, and you, especially if you're calling down curses on yourself for an oath that you've made, he says it's from the evil one. You've stepped into this realm of saying, God, I'm, please hear me now. You've stepped into this realm of saying, God, I'm no longer relying on your power. I'm relying on my own power or some other power. I'm putting superstitious um, trust in some other power or some other thing. If you go for hypnosis and you say, hypnotize me and make me stop whatever it is, eating, smoking, which power are you relying on, folks? So the first is the reason we make the vow out of bitterness or judgment that causes it not to work. The second is the power we are calling on to help us to keep that vow. And Many of us don't go into occult things. We're just simply relying on our own self-effort. 
We're saying, I will exercise more. I will spend more time on this, spend less time on this, do this, don't do this. And what we're saying is, I am strong. I can do this, I can overcome this sin, I can do whatever. And God says, you can do nothing. You wanna try it in your own strength? Fine, let's see what happens. Do you remember Peter, the apostle? Let me read you a little story. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. So Jesus says to his disciples at the Last Supper, it's going to happen tonight. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. You guys are going to scatter. He's warning them in advance. Peter answered and said to him, even if all of these are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. What's he saying there? Is, is the thing that he's promising a good thing? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's not an evil thing that he's resolving. It's not a bad vow that he's making, but he's relying on himself. Even if everyone else, I'm better than them, I have the strength of will. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And then we know what happened. He denied him three times. That very night, he denied, within a few hours, he denied him. Why? Because the minute I make a vow and I say, look how strong I am, I'm not relying on God anymore. Does that mean I, I don't make vows? No, there's a way of making a vow that is humble that relies on the grace and the power of God, that doesn't say, look how strong I am, and we're gonna see it in a few moments. Anyway, so Jesus has to restore Peter. Do you remember the story in John chapter 21? Peter is so messed up by the fact that he, that he broke his vow that he goes back to fishing. Even though he told Jesus he would follow him and give up fishing, he goes back to fishing, and he's just so distraught by the whole thing that he's done. And Jesus comes to him and asks him three times, do you really love me more than these? Why did he say that? Because Peter said, I'm better than all of these. I will love you enough to die for you. And he denied him three times. So Jesus asked him three times, do you really love me? And the interesting thing is Jesus said, do you agape me? Which means a love that will lay down his life. Jesus says to Peter, do you love me enough to lay down your life for me? And Peter replied all three times, Lord, I phileo you, which means I have the best love a human can have, but I don't have that kind of lay down my life love. He had realized he didn't have the power in himself. He had to rely on God. The, last, the third time Jesus answered, he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He was humble and he was relying on the grace of God and God restored him. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He put him back into ministry 
And a few days later, Peter's standing up on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 3, and he's so forgiven and healed and whole inside that he can preach and he can say to the crowd, you denied the Holy One, even though it was him that denied the Holy One. Because he was restored. Friends, you may, you probably have made vows or promises based on your own strength. They're good promises. They're not evil things. How many times have we tried to overcome sin in our lives, but we say, I can do this, I will do this, I must stop thinking that, doing that, wanting that, saying that, and it's relying on our own strength. So what is the solution? Does anyone know? How can I overcome this problem? Can you see how amazing this vows thing is? The minute I make a vow, I expose myself to the microscope of God and he says, I'm gonna show you what's in your heart. And you may be here today and you have failed again and again and again and you've come to the point where you are exhausted and you just say, I'm not even gonna try and promise God anything anymore. Or you put on a mask and you say to everyone, I've overcome all these things but you know that you're not being genuine inside. And I want to show you what the solution is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the Corinthian Christians and he says in verse 15, In this confidence I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia to come again from Macedonia to you and to be helped by you on my way to Judea. So he's saying, I had intended to visit you Christians, and they had been complaining about Paul. They said, you said you were coming to see us. You made a vow. You promised. You told us you were coming and you didn't come. I I can feel their pain. Listen to what Paul says. When I was planning to do this, did I do it lightly? Or the things that I plan, do I plan according to the flesh, that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? He's saying, do I make vows lightly, just without thinking about what I'm saying, or according to my own strength? He's teaching them about how to make vows properly. He says, as God is faithful, it it all comes from God. He says, our word to you was not yes and no, And then a little bit later, he's going to explain there were circumstances that arose that they don't even know anything about. There was a whole lot of different reasons why he couldn't come to them. And they shouldn't judge him because they don't know the whole picture. But now he's going to give us this amazing thing here. He says, um, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. He's saying only in God are you gonna get the ability to make and keep vows correctly. And then he says this, for all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yes and in him are men to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. He's saying it's all got to be in God. And the way you know that you're making the right vow 
that you're relying on God and not yourself, and that you're not calling on all sorts of weird reasons and powers or making it out of bitterness. The way you do it all right, he says, it's in the promises of God. He says, the NIV says, no matter how many promises God has made, in Christ they are yes, and the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What he's saying is, if you're gonna make a vow, don't say I'm gonna do it in my own strength. Say what is a promise from God that I can find in his word? He's promising me that he will do it and I can do it. And I say amen to the glory of God. That is my vow. I'm doing it through his strength. It's his will. It's his promise. It's not my bright idea. God, I'm relying on you and I'm thanking you for your promise. Friends, that's the answer. That's it. You might say, what, are, what is my vision for 2018? What am I supposed to do? I know I'm supposed to have a goal. What should I be focusing on? Stop trying to think it up in your own mind. Stop thinking about all the bitterness and judgment you're trying to get, avoid from your parents or bosses or others and find a promise from God and say, God, that is my vision. And as many promises as you can find, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. If you find a promise, you say, that is my goal, that is my resolution, not through my own power, through the power of God. God, thank you for your promise. 1 Peter 2, sorry, 2 Peter 1 says, uh, he's given us his great and precious promises that by them we might escape the corruption in the world and participate in the divine nature. As I take his promises in, I become like God and I become more and more righteous and I live the way that he wants me to do. But it comes from his promises and not from my own strength. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.